Ghouls, welcome to episode 81 of Dads from the Crypt, the Tales of the Crypt podcast. My name is Jason. Tonight, I'm joined by Jody. Hello. Mondo's out, but we have an amazing guest. Her name is Ariel, and she's from the Zombie Girls. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, pleasure to have you back. You were previously on our uh, Death of Some Salesman episode. Yeah, uh, that was a great one. It's a <laughs> that classic. That was so good. Um, yeah. The Tales from the Crypt uh, Reddit group did a like a March Madness or like some sort of like face off poll uh, between all the top episodes of each season. And uh, spoiler alert, but Death of Some Salesman uh, came out on top. I get I, why it's so entertaining. Yeah, yeah no, I, I can't, I can't argue with that. Yeah, I think I agree. After watching all of these, that's the one I keep coming back to as, yeah, that's the best. <laughs> like I still to me it's still yellow because it just packs more of an emotional punch sure, sure. but and it's just so grand um but yeah I can't, you can't argue with that for some no and I think people love Tim Curry so much too and he's so wacky yeah. in that episode that mm-hmm. yeah you get yeah. a lot of Tim Curry you get a lot of gore I mean yeah <laughs> no, it's got everything. It everything you want it has everything yeah yeah um so Ariel for those who don't know tell us about zombie girls Yeah, so Zombie Girls is the podcast network I'm a part of. We have a bunch of shows on there, kind of something for everybody. But I am the co-host on our show, More Deadly, which focuses on horror movies directed by women-identified directors. And then we also interview as many of those directors as we can get our hands on, including Rachel Talalay with Jason helped us get set up, (laughs) the director of Freddy's Dead. Uh, And then our other shows, we've got the Zombie Girls, that's sort of our like our OG original show that we put together and we just have a group of women. We review horror movies, whatever we're kind of wanting to think about at the time. Um, and a bunch of other shows too. Yeah. You have any, uh, good more deadlies coming up or that have come up recently? Yeah. So actually, uh, probably by the time this episode comes out, we'll have done an episode on Piggy, which we're about Ooh. to record. I'm a little bit nervous about that one because I've heard it's kind of an emotional gut punch, but we'll see. We recently also did Slumber Party Massacre and Trouble Every Day. So we're the, kind of doing a... What's that? The original or the remake? We did the original. So that oh, means yeah. <laughs> we've finally done the original. We're going to do the sequel soon. So we'll have to invite oh, you back on for that. Ooh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Call me for the sequel. Yeah. Or, sure. or the remake. I love the remake too. Yeah. The, we did the remake when so it first came out. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the sequel is so weird. Slumber Party Massacre <laughs> 2 is one of my like feel good, you know, comfort movies because it's so. Oh, that's so cool. It's, I love so it. So non, it's literally nonsensical. Like nothing makes any sense. Right. Yeah, I'm looking forward <laughs> to because somehow I have never seen that one. I thought I had seen oh, kind of like no. every slasher, oh. but I missed the sequels to Slumber Party Massacre. So it'll be fun. All right. Well, tonight we are discussing. Uh, let's see, where are we on? Epi- season six. This is episode four or five. Five. I don't have it in front of me. Five. <laughs> um, Revenge is for the nuts, which came out on November sixteenth, nineteen ninety four. Jody, give us a plot synopsis. 
All right. So we open on the Crypt Keeper as a street mime. He says he needs some money uh, because of the die RS. Ha ha ha. But we all. Uh, and then we'll get to our actual story. Uh, we open on a home for the blind. And uh, we start with a blind man named Samuel, uh, played by Isaac Hayes, the voice of Chef. It's how I will always think of him. But uh, <laughs> you're blind about. man. Blind man named Samuel needs to use the bathroom, but the door is locked and the owner, Mr. Grinwald, is just a mean bastard. And he tells him to go pee in his pants and then dumps marbles all over the floor. So Samuel will fall. So Grinwald is just he just mean, just mean for mean sake. And uh, he yells at a maintenance man named Benny, who you know wants to help Samuel and basically tells him not to. Then a new blind woman arrives at the house. Uh, her name is Sheila. And she's called to Grinwald's office, and he tells her uh, that around this home, basically, you know, he uses that thing about, you know, in a land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Basically, I am the king of this place. I do what I want to and what I say goes. And uh, Sheila asked Benny to let her out. It's like, take me to the front door, let me out. But he said he can't cross Grunwald because Grunwald will send him back to the mental institution he was in at one point. He said his brother had him committed. Uh, she kind of makes some moves to seduce him, but uh, it does not work. So then Benny introduces Sheila to the other blind people here. Uh, there are three of them. Uh, one is Samuel, who we've already met. Uh, there is a woman named Armelia and a man named Osgood. And uh, we don't see Osgood right away. But... Um, in this room, like the room is a dump, it smells bad, old furniture, every everything's crappy. Samuel says the windows are boarded up because Grunwald thinks blind people don't need light. And you find out a train passes by every hour and shakes the entire building, like not just a little bit, like full like earthquake, earthquake. shaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, during that, uh, Sheila falls and lands on Osgood's feet, and his feet are like in cast. Because Grunwald's dog has attacked him and torn up his legs and his, his body, his face has scars on it too. So again, Grunwald, just a mean bastard, just all the way around. Uh, later on, Benny brings Sheila back to Grunwald. And uh, she says, you know, I'm not going to be taken advantage of. And Grunwald says, well, that's interesting choice of words. Because basically he offers that if she has sex with him, he might, might... Let her go. It, it's on a day day by day, night by night basis, and we'll just see where things go. Um, she says no, spits in his face, and Benny takes her back to the others. Uh, they all tell him they tell her that they've all been through the same kind of thing, raging against it, but they've all pretty much given up. But Sheila says, No, this is different. I stole Benny's pocket knife earlier. And so they take this tiny little two-inch blade. I mean, it's it's not the best plan, but they take this tiny little two inch blade and go roaming through. Uh, they have to go through an exit that is on the other side of his office. So they have to go through Grunwald's office. And when they open the door, uh, there is a Rottweiler named Bruno there. Grunwald says that uh, he hasn't eaten in a couple days because basically he starves the dog to keep him mean and hungry. But he's even mean to dogs. It's, there's just nothing redeeming about this dude. Uh, Benny is shown installing new locks later, tells the blind people they're just going to get one meal per day, and the heat has been turned off. And uh, Benny says now Grunwald has changed his offer. He won't let her go if she has sex with him, 
but he will turn the heat back on and give them regular rations again. And uh, Benny says that he wishes there was something that he could do, but Sheila says, you're, you're just a prisoner here too. So she decides that she will. She'll do it. She'll have sex with him. But all the others say, no, don't do that, except for Osgood. She says, maybe we should do it Grinwald's way for once. So she goes to the office. He starts to undress her, but she's repulsed by him and kicks him in the nuts and then hits him with a cane that's laying on the desk that she grabs a hold of. And he gets up getting ready to attack her, but Benny knocks him out with a wrench and then says, my brother won't be bothering you anymore. So the brother who had him committed was Grunwald all along. Uh, and Benny is stuck, you know, being his brother's lackey here. So Grunwald wakes up locked in a small room. And on the other side of the door, you can hear hammering and sawing and construction sounds. And after a while, that door opens up and it's a dark room that Grunwald has to feel his way through. And he finds himself in this narrow passage and pulls uh, the string for the light and finds out that that narrow passage has been lined with razor blades uh, that cut him, you know, if he touches them. And then the train passes and Grunwald's kind of knocked around, bumping into the walls, cutting himself. And at the end of the passage, a door opens up and there's Benny with Bruno, who is barking and hungry. He says, we can't find his food. So he's he's very hungry now. Uh, then Benny makes the claim that Grunwald killed their mother. And uh, he said, so what do you, if, if you do this, if you hurt me, what are you going to do when people call for Mr. Grunwald? And he says, well, I'm Mr. Grunwald, too. I'll just answer the phone. And so Grunwald retreats down the passage, tries to run away. But then Samuel pours marbles in his path. And they let Bruno go. And as Bruno charges at him, Osgood turns off the lights, leaving Grunwald in the dark to fend for himself. And then we wrap up on the Crypt Keeper uh, working at a hot dog stand, uh, <laughs> serving fingers and hot dog buns. I have no idea what any of the Crypt Keeper segments have anything to do with what's happening no. in this episode. They don't. But, you know, they're fun. He gets a little paper hat. He gets a little finger on a bun. It's good. Good, good stuff. Yeah, he looks good in a costume. <laughs> All right, Ariel, tell us what you thought about this episode. All right. Well, honestly, Death of Some Salesman is so good that it's hard to compete with that. That being the last episode that I saw, that bar yeah. is very high. And I think that this one, while it doesn't compare in quality, I did have fun with this. I mean, a rich guy being super evil and getting his just desserts feels very much like classic EC, you know, like that's exactly what those comics are about. And so even though it's predictable and you kind of know, you know, what's coming, I still found it to be pretty enjoyable. You know, I think the ending is fun and satisfying. I really liked the razor blade hallway. And I don't know about you guys, but there's like a very specific style of like campy acting that mm -hmm. Tales from the Crypt has, especially mm -hmm. with like evildoers, you know, and I find it super charming. <laughs> I really enjoy <laughs> it. Um, I don't know. I think it's a good revenge story that it kind of rushes to the end a little faster than I would have liked. I wish there had kind of been more build up to it. And I wish Sheila had maybe pummeled him like for a little bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> there had been a little more blood, but I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. All right, Jody. Yeah, um, I enjoyed this one quite a bit. I uh, I was watching it, and as I was watching, I was like, this feels really familiar. Yeah. Uh, 
This this is from the uh, 1972 Tales from the Crypt movie that we oh. uh, watched a while back uh, with Al. Um, and so I, I knew the story, but I, I'd kind of forgotten where it went because that movie is kind of boring, even though it has some decent <laughs> stories in there. And so uh, I, I like this version of it. Uh, there was good actors in there. Uh, the whole thing with uh, Sheila and Mr. Grunwald. I, I don't remember any of that happening. I do remember like the owner was a bad guy who was mean to everybody, but they, they didn't have that added like sexual assault kind of stuff going on. And so uh, Grunwald, you know, deserved what he got. And it's one of those episodes that you very early on identify the villain. As soon as he starts talking, you're like, oh, that's like the bad, bad guy. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> everything he does is evil. Like he has no redeeming qualities. And uh, that's a good Tales from the Crypt villain because you're just waiting through the entire episode going, what's going to happen to this guy? Mm-hmm. And uh, I like, I like where it went. I like what happens to him. Uh <laughs> The marbles that like that was a, a nice little twist at the end where Samuel dumps the marbles in uh, so that he has to trip on them the same way he did to him earlier. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I just bad guy getting what's coming to him. That's good stuff. <laughs> good tales from the crypt. Yeah, I struggled, struggled a little bit. This episode is a little too serious, like abuse of elderly uh, or sorry, abuse of disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. sexual assault. It's like I was, I was just getting a kind of like depressed almost. I needed like <laughs> I need some camp. I need some camp, and yeah, some of the performances were a little campy, but I was also kind of getting like wah wah by this episode. Um, I, I, I need my crypt to be a little peppier. Um, and then I mean, I, it's uh, dark. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind dark. I just with tales, I'm expecting a little bit, a bit more balance between the comedy and the darkness. A little more silliness in there. A little more yeah. silliness. And again, if you're going to go dark, the 72 version just feels even much more bleak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if I'm going to go with a darker, with the dark version, then I kind of want, I kind of like the movie version better. Um, but this had a very good cast. Um, the director is Jonas McC- McCord. He uh, wrote, produced, and directed a documentary called Vietnam Requiem. He did a movie called The Body. He executive produced this movie called Havoc from like the early 2000s with a, like a young Anne Hathaway and Bijou Phillips <laughs> as these uh, privileged uh, L.A. girls trying to join a gang. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I do know that movie. It's. I remember it was like it's it one of those times I had cable and it was just like on constantly. It's just yeah, one of those crazy ass movies that you just turn into and there's always something crazy happening in the scene. <laughs> um. Really, really off the wall movie. Um, Mr. Arnie Grunwald is played by Anthony Zerb. He was in Cool Hand Luke, which is one of my personal favorite movies. Uh, the mm-hmm. Dead Zone, License to Kill, and the Matrix sequels, Reloaded and Revolutions. Um, the quote new blind girl uh, to the group Sheila, played by Terry Polo. I'm a big fan of, and again, I'm used to her giving these like big charismatic performances but here she like she's just like holding it back a lot until kind of towards the end even then she doesn't like really let loose uh, but she was in northern exposure felicity sports night meet the parents meet the fuckers and uh the west she had a little bit of a thing on the west wing um and i've heard like interviews with her and she's she's really wacky i kind of love it <laughs> um benny is played by john savage who was in deer hunter hair and like in the same year you imagine that 
Um, he's also in Do the Right Thing and Godfather 3 and like a ton of things. Jeez. Um, Serious actor. <laughs> yeah. Actor with an A. Um, Armelia was played by B.B. Besh. She was in Star Trek 2, Wrath of Khan as uh, Carol. Uh, the love interest. Oh, Dr. Marcus. Dr. Carol Marcus. That's who that was. Um, it's just also Northern Exposure. There's like a crazy amount of Northern Exposure people in this episode. <laughs> he also plays the doctor's wife in Tremors, the one that gets sucked into the car. Oh, okay. Um, and then again, when Isaac Hayes um, plays Samuel, he obviously wrote the Shaft theme. He was in Escape from New York. He was in CB4, Robin Men in Tights, South Park. And his last ever acting performance was in Return to Sleepaway Camp. Which, if you have not seen it, Ugh. not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like a huge Sleepaway Camp fan. Oh, I know. Yeah. I love Sleepaway Camp. I oh, love killed the, me. the sequels, like Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3, but that return yeah, is... That's bad. It's rough. <laughs> and then I like Browning... that... Go ahead. I like that Isaac Hayes had that line where he said, you've been shafted oh, when yeah. they were playing oh, yeah. chess. <laughs> that was completely intentional. Oh, yeah. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Like, I want any more of that. Like uh, that even went over my head because I was just like, "This is just really depressing me." <laughs> See, there's there's comedy right there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Osgood is played by Tim Sampson, also in Northern Exposure. Um, he was in Always. He was an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He's the son of Will Sampson, who played Chief in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay, Nets. I was wondering oh, okay. about that because he called him Chief at one point, yes. and he obviously was supposed to be like Chief, you know. And he like looked a lot, and I'm like, that can't be the same actor. Yeah, he, like they definitely <laughs> look like. And I was reading about that. And actually, there was a stage performance of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Tim Sampson played his father's role on the stage performance. Oh, that's cool. In the um, I can't remember the main character's name, but the Jack Nicholson character was played by Gary Sinise. Oh, Weird. okay. That's, That's interesting. Cool Which, to make it even more full circle, when I interviewed Big Garris about the uh, Shining uh, version that he did for me for TV, the actor they originally wanted to step into Jack Nicholson's role was Gary Sinise. <laughs> oh, that would have been different. Yeah, but he said he didn't. He he was didn't want to do it. Or there's there's some there's more to it, I'm sure than that, but. Yeah, Gary Sinise had already done the stand. I think about that same time too. So right. maybe he didn't want to get pigeonholed or something. Well, you know, it's a, it's a filling in for Jack, uh, the role played by Jack Nicholson's got to be pretty, that's a hard uh, job too. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, again, I think the movie version is actually better. Um, let's say this is a bad one, uh, but at least like again compared to last week, Operation Friendship, at least that one was like kept me entertained. It was a little more light. I know you guys didn't like it very much, but um, yeah, wow. Um, but uh, yeah, Jody, give us a comic comparison. Tell me about the comic that this is based on. All right. So in the Vault of Horror, number 20 from May 1951, which is the same issue as the Reluctant Vampire, there is a comic in there called Revenge is the Nuts. And uh, it has nothing to do with this. Like nothing at all. Not. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's set in an asylum with a mean guy in charge of it that I, I guess that's kind of similar the mean guys in charge of everything he beats and tortures people and eventually like this big strong inmate uh rips him to shreds okay so you know it's similarities but 
In Tales from the Crypt number 46, February 1955, there is a story called Blind Alleys. Uh, script by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, art by George Evans. And uh, that's this story. It's a it's it's different title, but that's what this story is. I think in the 72 movie, they actually called it Blind Alleys. They called that segment. Uh, so I'm, I don't know exactly why. Maybe Al can shed some light on why this one is titled after one comic, but has the story of a different comic. As far as the comparison, it's it's pretty much the same story. Like the there's the the hall, there's the razor blades. Hey, Jason, I think you're muted. I was on mute. So yeah. I'm sure they didn't want to. They're trying to differentiate themselves from the '72 uh, movie. Sure. I'm sure, I'm sure. Maybe some licensing thing to do with that. Sure, but uh, you know, as far as the story and the comparison, I don't really have to break this down step by step because it's the same story. Uh, the blind folks, the uh, bad guys in charge of it all. I mean, they they added to it, uh, you know, and they embellished it a little bit, but it, it's pretty much the exact same story, just from a completely different one uh, than the one that it's named after. So, uh, if Weird. you go wanting to read uh, the, the comic book version of this one, you need to go look up Blind Alleys, not uh, Revenge is the Nuts. Yeah, that's interesting because based on the title and Osgood's character being included, I was going to ask you guys if the comic originally was set in a psychiatric hospital. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, that's strange. Yeah, at least, yeah, it, it I guess it takes a little bit of that from the, uh, the comic but it's it it 100 is just a different comic <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah wow. i mean they they as we all know the that was the agreement whatever they did they had to use the titles mm-hmm. of the comics so my guess is either for a licensing reason or they just didn't want to confuse people they didn't want to use blind alley so just found another comic that was kind of like it yeah and people I mean, do get revenge so i yeah, guess they sure. just figured <laughs> it's got some similar bones i guess yeah. One thing I did like about the comic and and in the '72 movie is the blind people all banded together to mm-hmm. build the like yeah. house of horrors in the basement. Whereas in this one, it felt like Benny did it right. Like this right. was just like Benny's revenge, and he just made like the one like path of razors. Whereas in both of the others, they made a whole maze. Really? They had to wander through this maze of razor blades on the walls. I remember the set design in 72 was it was really cool the way that they had and got narrower and narrower Mm. narrower it's a hard word uh as he went through so he got closer to the blades and got cut so I I like that they the the blind folks had a little more agency and Mm. they were the ones who did it uh in in this one you know they got to participate in it but it seemed like it was kind of like Benny's plan yeah, it Maybe seemed like he the... was running the show and they yeah. were just sort of like helping out at the end. And the yeah. one older blind woman, mm-hmm. um, she didn't seem to be involved at all, really. She like, just she kind of cackled. Yeah, <laughs> she didn't get to really play a role. So <laughs> it would have been cool if there had been a scene where they were building it or um, or they had each gotten to like do one part of the right. revenge at the end. Yeah, because like in the movie, it's like a jigsaw trap, basically. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Then. I wonder if it was a budget thing because I would. Yeah, I'm sure it was a budget thing, and I think, and I know in the movie it was all men. There wasn't like any like sexual assault threats. But in the comic, there are men and women in the. Oh, there are. Okay, I was about to ask. So yeah, the little pieces from here and there, I think, are being pulled together for this one. But yeah, no, I I did prefer the uh, the blind folks to actually 
you know, be the ones getting the revenge mm-hmm. and have this elaborate trap. I understand budgets though, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and maybe they just didn't have a good way to pull off all of that uh, on, on this HBO budget that they were given, but uh, it, it definitely is a little cooler in those versions. And the dog's named Brutus instead of Bruno, which I can't hear Bruno now without, you know, Encanto because my yeah. kids have drilled it into my brain. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other thoughts on this episode, Ariel, Jody? I really liked Sheila's clothing, especially in yeah. the beginning. It's so like quintessentially 90s. I think mm-hmm. minus the mm-hmm. beret, it's exactly what I wore to like my junior high graduation. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you wore the, the boots dress and combat boots. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also was interested in like the mom situation. That yeah. was weird. Like when he's talking to the mom painting when he's in the room by himself he says something about like sheila is a prime cut of beef or something gross like that and then asks his mother's picture if she's jealous of that it felt it had like weird incest vibes i don't know what that was about but it made me uncomfortable for sure well even his mother was blind and the others yeah yeah, it needed a little bit more fleshing out on that. On yeah, that, that, yeah, that I, I didn't get into that thread much in my synopsis just because I didn't know what to do with any of it. Yeah, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. totally, her mother cause... was blind, but then she got killed. And he killed he her. She did it because she like slipped on the floor. Or... Yeah, somehow there was, there was a lot of vagaries like, there. <laughs> buried her in the backyard. Maybe it seemed like because he says something about like the dog should go dig her up and eat her for dinner or something at one point. Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a weird one. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't go into that thread very much because I'm not really <laughs> sure where it led. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. let's do our episode rating. Ariel, you're our guest, so you can go first. Uh, we do zero to five, five being the best, zero being the worst. You can do half points. Where do you fall on this? I think I'm going to go three, three out of five. Okay. Yeah, three. it's like it's good oh. and entertaining. It's just not great, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right in the same place. This is this is a three out of five for me. Not bad, you know. I, I happily watch it again, but also not you know that memorable. Yeah, again, I keep thinking about what we watched last week, was which was just the way which went way over the top comedically, or at least tried mm-hmm. to. Where this went really over the top on the dark side of things. So I'm on. I kind of like that episode better in some weird way i can't quite figure out it's just maybe it's just a mood thing um and also again this episode was just done so much better in the movie so uh, i'm going with a two i just yeah it's such a good cast that i felt like didn't really get to shine much it was so yeah. dour um, well i feel like anytime tills from the crypt strays in one direction or the other mm-hmm. but they go too serious unless it's like really well done like yellow is very serious yeah. but great uh, yes. But if they just take like an average kind of story and go really serious or they go really silly with it, it doesn't quite work the same as if they get that balance, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah. Yellow is, is for the most part, a very serious episode, but just handled mm-hmm. so well. And yeah, I also just kind of feel like this is a great cast that didn't re- wasn't really given enough to do. So, yeah. Isaac Hayes didn't sing once. <laughs> that is a disappointment. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, other oh. than that one fun line, he doesn't get any good lines either. Well, I mean, hardly he anybody to, does. You're kind of right about that. But... Just gets to kind of laugh as he dumps the marbles in. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Whole... look, that is satisfying. I'll give you right, that. I liked right. that part, but I would have wished for more. I think with Tales from the Crypt, too, it's you guys are right. Like, if it's going to go serious, it has to be really, really good. Because what you're kind of looking for, at least I am when I watch mm-hmm. an episode, is that mix of like a little bit of light horror and the comedy elements. And so if you're missing one or the other, then it doesn't give you kind of what you're hankering for when you put it on. Yeah, no, I can think of so many little ways they could have improved this one. Like, okay, if you don't want to add comedy to it, make it gorier, like make yeah. that yeah. Uh, thing in the razor blades. Like he got one cut on his hand that was visible, yeah. but then he just kind of right. like bumped and said, ow, a bunch, like <laughs> cut him up, like have his yeah. face all bloody. Like that'd be, that'd be good. Or like, give us a scene at the very end with a dog walking out with like an arm or a leg or, yeah. Like yeah. Oh, or that something. Great. Yeah. yeah it's, it needs a little more or like show her like kicking him or something like that again. Yeah. Like we need a little more punctuation. Yeah. Yeah, she could have done some real damage when she was mm-hmm. kicking him and hitting him over the head with the cane. That yeah. would have been cool. No. Just take it a little further. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it kind of plays it safe. It, you know, this episode, it doesn't really go for it, you know, like in, in those big ways that a good Tales from the Crypt really does. So, you know, just go further. You're on Tales from the Crypt. You're on HBO. You can get away with stuff. Do it. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> did they get a very big budget for any of these episodes or um, was it pretty small i think i think by season six they're probably trying to squeeze their budget a little bit mm, gotcha because they were because they could coast a little bit knowing that people were going to show up to watch right oh um, yeah i guess that's I mean, true i think the production parts with the crypt keeper are probably higher quality than some a lot of the episode <laughs> <laughs> that's like a whole different crew too the different director different oh really yeah, I mean these these were elaborate Crypt Keeper segments. This yeah, time. yeah. <laughs> it was well, lots yeah, of I like think that's... other people and things in the in the scenes too. Yeah, I think by this point the Crypt Keeper almost overshadowed the actual episode parts. Sure, to some degree. Well, that's uh, what I remember as a kid. Like the main thing I yeah, remember exactly. Crypt Keeper. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, even if the episode's not great, you still have a great Crypt Keeper in the beginning and the end. Sure. Okay. To, um, yeah. All right, Mono's not here to do Song of the Day, and I've gone a couple different rounds of what I want to do with this. So um, I was really tickled that uh, John Savage wasn't do the right thing. I think he's the guy who like is on his mo- is on the bicycle, or, or he's playing. Ba- he just came back from playing basketball. He's got like a huge thing of milk. He's drinking. It's really hot out. I'm just trying to imagine like being <laughs> hot and sweaty drinking a carton of milk. Gross. Yeah, it sounds really gross. <laughs> Um, but obviously, you know, Do the Right Thing uh, has a great Public Enemy soundtrack. So I was trying to think of a Public Enemy song. Obviously, you know, Fight the Power is the big song from that movie. But that mm-hmm. seems a little overdone. And then I was like, oh, Isaac Hayes in this, is in this. Let me see what else he's done um, outside of the Shaft theme. And one of his biggest singles was a cover of the song By the Time I Get to Phoenix. So, and then, and then I looked that up and went down a little bit of a, a Wikipedia rabbit hole while we were kind of talking. <laughs> by the time I get to Phoenix is a country song, uh, originally recorded by Johnny Rivers in 1965 and covered by Glenn Campbell and a ton of other people. Um, and it's apparently about uh, his breakup with Susan Horton and uh, yada, yada, yada. Isaac Hayes did. Okay. So the original song is two minutes and 42 seconds. 
Isaac Hayes did an 18 minute cover of this song. <laughs> How is that possible? That's lots, so lots many minutes. Funk. You got to bring all the funk. Yeah, you brought the funk. <laughs> apparently, the, the original is about a road trip, but this like goes into like it's like the prequel. He talks about events that happened before the actual road trip. Oh, um, I have no idea. I want to go listen to it now. I mean, the thing um, from Shaft has like ten words in it, but it's like <laughs> just a lot of a lot of That's cool true. grooves leading to it. A lot, a lot of wah wah guitars. Yeah. So, and again, this ties back to uh, the Public Enemy theme because they did the probably my favorite pub- Public Enemy song is "By the Time I Get to Arizona," which is a play <laughs> on "By the Time I Get to Phoenix." And uh, again, going by the Wikipedia page, is that Chuck D would oftentimes choose titles of songs and work backwards and tweak them and then you know come up with a song after that and that song is famously about the time that the governor of arizona uh canceled martin luther king day jeez so they did a protest song about that yeah that was a huge deal um so our song of the week and that kind of goes with a little bit of the um you know abuse of power going on in this episode yeah i like it so again tying it all back um, the song of the week is By the Time I Get to Arizona by Public Enemy. Nice. And you got to take us on a, on a journey. I get to go on a journey. Yeah. I'm impressed. Look at that. Well, originally, <laughs> when me and Jordy were talking, uh, we we're going to bring the noise with Public Enemy and Scott Ian with from Anthrax. And that's a great song. But uh, this one I like. I like, I like to tie into Isaac Hayes, too. Yeah, much more mm-hmm. thematic. Yeah, perfect. All right, Jody, give us. Oh, where are we? There we go. Horror news, Jody. <laughs> Sorry, daylight All savings, right. man. If you if you have oh. kids, daylight savings is the worst. I hate it. I hate it so much. Yeah. I didn't. I, last year, wasn't there a big thing about how like the House of Representatives voted against like they were going to get rid of daylight savings time? What happened? Why are we still I doing this? <laughs> oh, and to me, block this. Yeah, and uh, I guess because we're talking about Arizona, my wife's from Arizona, and they don't have yeah. daylight savings time there. Yep. So it just Lucky. really messes with her mentally. <laughs> she just doesn't yeah. understand. She doesn't <laughs> live there in like 10 years, but or more than 10 years, but. I mean, yeah. I've been doing this for 40 years, and it does not make any more sense to me now than it did when I was a kid. It's still <laughs> no, terrible. it's the worst. All right, so horror news. All right, so just to start off, when we're talking about horror news, we could just be talking about Jenna Ortega news like that. <laughs> th- those are that. Right. She's awesome. Point, right. <laughs> All right. She I, is everywhere I, right now. Yeah. Obviously she was in scream six that just came out. Uh, but la- like in the last couple of years, she also did the babysitter killer queen. She did scream five. She did X studio six, six, six American carnage. So she's got this whole and Wednesday. She's got this whole little scream queen thing going. Uh, she hosted SNL this last week. And it was actually one of the better episodes I've seen in a while. I always watch all the clips on YouTube. Later. Yeah, that exorcism episode, uh, segment was really good. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> uh, also, uh, with Jenna Ortega's slash uh, horror news, uh, she's been teasing a new season of Wednesday with more of a horror edge this next time. She wants to do away with uh, the whole romance thing and not have her chasing after a boy and instead uh just make it scarier so i'm down for that because i, I yeah. the wednesday series was fun i enjoyed oh, it i loved lot, it but i mean yeah, a I, lot of it was tied to watching it with my daughter and how much she oh, was yeah. into it i watched it with my kids and they loved it oh but, that's uh, so cool but i would definitely uh be down for a little bit more spookiness in uh, nevermore mm-hmm. academy 
Yeah. Well, and she's supposed to be ex- executive producer for a season two, yeah. I think. So she'll have you more control. Cause I think I read that she was saying that she ended up changing quite a lot about her mm-hmm. character because the way it was written by men was like not accurate to the way a teenage <sighs> girl would be. And especially right. not Wednesday Adams. Right. So I think it'll be good to have her get some more control over things. Jordan, well, you know knows- what else? You know what else she did this week? What's that? She was on the hot ones. Oh yeah. Oh. She was on hot ones. And uh, one of the questions they asked her, I think, was about horror movies, because she's been talking on several different interviews about horror movies she likes. And this is why your talk about her being executive producer and wanting to add more horror to Wednesday makes me happy. Because when she listed some of her favorite movies, she lists Deep Red, which I'm I'm sold like she's she's into Argento. Um, Child's Play, the original Prom Night, Possession. It was a heck of a movie. Man, that movie. I'm still messed up by that movie. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) Insidious, uh, The Witch, and uh, the original Scream. So this is okay. She's part of the generation who, you know, Scream came out before she was born. Right. Now that's wild. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about that. How like the stars in Scream weren't born, weren't alive when the original came out. That that was so nuts and makes me feel. Makes me feel so old. (laughs) Yeah. The Scream Scream was a formative movie for me, but I was yeah. like 17. Like it was right. the first mm-hmm. slasher movie I really got. I probably first slasher movie I ever really watched. I was a late bloomer when it came to horror. Oh, and so I mean, Scream, you yeah. know, meant a lot to me. And this is the generation that grew up in the shadow of Scream. So that's that's cool that uh, you know it, it's the the series is in good hands, I think. Um but okay, think of it this way. We are further away. Let's see. It's for more, further from Scream to now than it was from Scream to like Halloween. Yeah. Original Holy Halloween. Shit. That's yeah. nuts. That's nuts. Oh think my about God. that for a second. <laughs> I think you just ruined my whole day. It's awful. <laughs> and uh, one last piece of horror slash Jen Ortega news is that she's in talks to play Lydia's daughter in BS2. Yes. I mean, that's oh, so wow. obvious. Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. good fit. That's a good fit. All right, moving away from Jen Ortega, though, Scream itself, Scream 6, set a box office record for the franchise with the biggest opening weekend that they've done uh, since, well, the original, like, did not do well, opening weekend. Right. No, yeah, it was a word of mouth movie, because it was in the theaters for a very long time. Yeah, two and three both did pretty well, and then four didn't do great. Five yeah. rebounded, but then uh, this I've rebounded, but it was it was during a COVID surge, right? So like a lot of people, I went, I, like I saw a drive-in movie theater because I didn't want to go to a theater yeah. at the time. Yeah, like I waited for it to be on streaming. So. And then yeah, a lot of people yeah. wait for streaming. Mm-hmm. I saw it in theaters because things had settled down around here at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a in California, there's a big surge, right? And so we were kind of in one of those like little windows of like, oh, we can do stuff for a little while. Oh crap, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I took my kids to see that one. I took my kids to see this one. And uh, this one, though, it had a $44.5 million opening weekend, which that's for the awesome. series, that's by far the biggest that they've ever had. That's so and- cool. I just feel like it's it's so great to have horror doing so well in the theater yeah. when a lot of movies, especially like superhero movies and things that traditionally have done so well in theaters just aren't. But the fact that like Cocaine Bear did really well, yeah. Megan did really well, Terrifier it's, it, I just think it's really cool to to see that because it means that more money is going to go into horror. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the what all the movies you just mentioned, 
like I love that we are kind of in this surge of like we we, we just live through like some rough years. Yeah, dark times. <laughs> and I, yes. <laughs> and I feel like horror is responding by being like let's be fun again. Like yeah. let's have a good time. You know, you don't go see a co- movie called Cocaine Bear to like think about life. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No. Deal with your process, your grief through cocaine bear. No, you just go, you go to have fun. I had fun with scream. I have fun with Megan was great. I had a great time with that. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I, I love this new kind of resurgence of fun horror and Mm -hmm. it's all doing really well. I think that's what people want. It's what I want. Yeah. Yeah. We need that. I like a lot of dark cerebral kind of horror and art house horror, but I have to have that like fun, bombastic kind of horror too. Absolutely. Well, are you going to talk about the Oscars or am I going to jump to gun if I bring that up? I I don't have anything about the Oscars, so I'll let you talk Oscars. I mean, it's horror. It's very horror, Jason, but like A24 just like swept the Oscars Um, last night. Yep. Um, So that means. A24 is going to have a ton of money to put into all those quirky little um, horror movies that they yeah, love that's doing. That's true. So I'm really, yeah. I'm really excited about that. Obviously, you know, I love that we're everything everywhere at once. It's true. And it's, it's not horror, but it all feeds into A24, which puts out all kinds of amazing original content. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then lots of great horror movies. Plus, Jamie Lee Curtis won an Oscar. Yes, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis won Finally. an Oscar. <laughs> Finally. But I know there's some like no, no. (laughs) There's always gonna be backlash, and it's the Oscars, blah 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 blah. But you know what? She fucking deserves it as much as anyone else. Yeah. Uh, As far as other horror news, we got a trailer for a sequel to 2020's Becky, called The Wrath of Becky. Um, I'm I'm down. I'm 100. I am so looking forward to that. I love Becky. It was such a fun movie. (laughs) I love Becky, but in the trailer, is that Stifler? Oh, um, like the cop. Green? No, uh, Sean Sean Williams. Yeah, Sean. Oh, Williams, I'm, I'm getting uh, like Stifler from American Pie. I think it's in this movie, and I'm like, <laughs> is that going to ruin That's it? Cool. I don't know. I hope not. But you wouldn't have thought that what's his name could Sean do it either. Williams the guy Scott. from Sean Williams. Scott. Uh, there you go. Because what's his name from King Girl of McHale. Was the bad guy? In- oh, uh, Kevin oh. James. Kevin yeah, James, yeah. Like, I wouldn't have thought he could pull he off scary. like a Nazi guy. So he yeah. was scary in that movie. Yeah. Big intimidating dude. I'm curious who's going to play like the heavy bad guy, or if they're even going to go that route, or what. what I mean, I know she's she's back to killing fascists. Like that's what I'm. Okay. Heard. Yeah. You know what? Any fascist, I'm <laughs> yeah, okay yeah. with. Yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Uh, Just no but more I, dog kicking. If they could avoid oh. having dogs hurt this time, I'd really appreciate it. But yeah, I was, I, I've been a fan of hers because she was uh, the little girl who was the best actor in uh, Annabelle Creation and she was in right. Ouija Origin of Evil. Mm-hmm. And both those times she did a great performance and then came with Becky later. And I just, yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's talented for uh, sure. And I like bloody fun horror and, uh, you know, killing Nazis. Kill Nazis. Always a good time. Yeah. And uh, then one last piece. This isn't even news other than it just released, but I want to just plug a movie that I watched the other day and really liked. Um, The movie Missing just came out on VOD. It was in theaters uh, Mm. a while ago. Missing is the spiritual sequel to Searching that came out a couple years ago with John Cho. Uh, I watched Missing about two nights ago with my kids it's fantastic really like oh, it, i like it better than searching and searching i really oh, enjoyed it I yeah thought it was that really was, good it was movie. a good movie yeah twist That's after exciting. twist after twist it's not even horror but it's just it's a twisty story 
uh, horror is where the whole screen life style of movie making came from, you know, with unfriended and right. uh, host and things like that. So this is where it's headed. And I, I like the screen life movies. I spend all day on my computer. Yeah. It doesn't burn me out. It more feels like I know this, like this is my mm. world. And so, <laughs> I mean, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, um, I think yeah, the scariest missing. I haven't Mrs. seen it, but I'm guessing the scariest thing about that movie is that she has to pick someone up at LAX. She was going to have to pick someone up at LAX. And I, true, I yeah. fucking hate it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> oh, it's the worst place in the no, world. I always fly into Burbank. Yes, I love Burbank. Burbank is like my my warm, happy spot compared. <laughs> I will hang out at Burbank just because. Just I'm sad that the uh, fries, especially the one from Nope, closed. Was that oh. scene where they go to they go fries? It's got the um, spaceship. Right, that's yes. still there, but they but it's actually closed now. But it used to be it's right next to the Burbank Airport. That was open recently. There were still like fries operating in the United no, States. No, no, okay. it's been closed for a couple of years. But they okay. used the, but they used the exterior for no. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's one of those things. Like when I saw, it, like I stood up. I know that. And I like got my <laughs> wife, and she's like, "Okay, we drive by there." And now, now that I have friends who live in California, as soon as I was, when I was watching Missing, as soon as her mom was like, can you pick me up at LAX? I'm like, that's the bad airport. <laughs> I know, no, I've I never like, been to California, but I know. I will only pick up my mother from LAX. That's the only person <laughs> LAX is, that, is that like the true test of like how much I care about you? Whether yeah. I'll pick you up at LAX. <laughs> I'll put it this way. It's like 45 minutes drive. And just mm-hmm. to get like around the airport takes almost half an hour just to do like do the loop. Fun. It's <laughs> terrible. Or if like work, if work forces me to do it, that's the only reason. Like one time, my my wife had a trip in Germany, and I was being a dumbass, and I went to the wrong terminal because I, I didn't realize because international flights, I guess, on the other side, and mm-hmm. it took me like three hours to figure it out. And she thought like <laughs> I ditched her or something. Oh, no. The worst time ever. And so that that was the end of my horror news. So you know, first piece of dad advice is. Don't go to LAX if you can help it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dad advice. Ariel, you're our guest. Uh, you're an awesome person. Tell us how to be an awesome person. Give us some advice. Oh, gosh. On how to be a good person? I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Live your life with like kindness and empathy towards other people. That's what I try to do. But I like it. Tell us, how did you get into horror? Give us a little, uh, give us the aerial origin story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got into horror at an extremely young age because of my dad. My dad's a huge horror fan and he started showing them to me when I was very, very young. He started me off on black and white horror. So a lot of like Universal Mm. Monsters and Hitchcock. um, And, you know, by the time I was like five or six, my favorite movie was Psycho and... (laughs) I tried to show that and the birds at a birthday party and traumatize some other little kids. <laughs> That's badass. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I just kept watching them with him for years. And then I think around the time like Scream came out, I was in junior high. And that's when I started to develop kind of my own tastes mm-hmm. um, and, you know, went to see that with friends. Uh, and I've just been like a lifelong horror fan. And then, I don't know, 13 or 14 years ago, Rachel was like, hey, let's do a podcast. (laughs) You want to do this (laughs) podcast? I had no idea really what they were at the time. I'd never listened to a (laughs) podcast before. So I would just go and hang out at her house and talk about horror movies. And it was really fun. And then just, you know. How did you meet Rachel? How how did Ariel meet Rachel? (laughs) 
<laughs> so we went to a little college in California and we were both um, studying journalism and we were working on the student newspaper. Mm. And that's how we met. We went to a journalism convention and ended <sighs> up uh, becoming really fast friends. Yeah. So that was about 15 years ago, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that sounds like what I've done with my kids when what you're talking about with your uh-huh. dad. Like I I introduced them slowly. Yeah. Like, when they were young, you know. I think Gremlins was my first like leap when they were little to be like, Oh, okay, that's smart. Watch yeah. something a little scarier, <laughs> little mm-hmm. monsters here. And then uh, now, you know, I went and saw Scream with my I guess 13 was the youngest one. So, you know, we're, we've got junior hires now, so we're into R rated movies and yeah, a good time with it. That's so fun. Cause you know, my mom hates horror movies or my wife's the same way. Yeah. She just cannot handle it. So it was always like when I would go to my dad's house, that's when I got to watch horror movies. It's funny because he doesn't like having a lot of sex in movies when I was growing up. He was like, I don't want to deal with that. And my mom is well, super sex positive. So it was like, I could have <laughs> violence or sex, but not like both in one movie, just depending on which house I was at. <laughs> was it he didn't like sexist movies or he didn't like sex movies he's watching with his daughter? I think that's probably it. I mean, yeah. I don't want to think about what he likes to watch on his own time. But yeah, I think it just had to do with me being present. <laughs> to be fair, like that's like my number one killer for a movie to pick with the yeah. My daughter is like, okay, so this one has like 15 decapitations. We're fine with that. We'll watch that one. Right. There's boobs in this one. I'm going to have to think <laughs> about it a little bit longer. Well, it's just awkward. It's happened a number of times, like over the years when I was growing up, where I we'd sit down to watch a movie that he had never seen before or mm-hmm. didn't remember well enough. And then there would be, you know, an extended sex scene. And you're like, oh, geez. <laughs> Yeah. You're just sitting there like, please let it be over. Especially when you're, you know, in that like middle school, junior right. high age. Right. Where, like, well, and nobody knows what to awkward. say at that point. No. You know, like, <laughs> because, you know, you're watching the movie and kind of talking and joking and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then that scene happens. Everyone is stone silent, just right. staring blankly ahead. Like, I'm not even seeing this. None of us are seeing this. So it's just happening. Uh, oh, it's over. Now we can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then there's Mondo who takes his daughter to see Midsommar. Yeah. Amazing. Wait, how old is his daughter? Oh, she was like She's 18 or something. Like oh, that. okay. No. okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But, but still, <laughs> that one still scene is pretty awkward. Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not so. watching that right. one anytime soon. That for that last scene. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't um, even thinking about that part. <laughs> that yeah. would be hard. <laughs> the the my daughter had a day off from school and she's eight years old and she's really into these series called zombies on mm-hmm. Disney plus. And they're kind of like high school musical, but with, but with the zombies, but it's very, it's very horror light. Uh-huh. The zombies all talk and they all have like, they're all friendly and everything. Oh, that's cool. It's like a good introduction. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, okay, spoilers, but there's the first one that has the zombies and like the normal people and they're trying to live together. And in the end, they all kind of like become friends and then the second one, werewolves come to town, and then uh. they have to all live, have to learn how to live together with these other people. <laughs> and then in the third one, freaking aliens show up. <laughs> Zombies I mean, universe is getting wild. I guess there's a good lesson for kids in there, though. Yeah, acceptance, but it's like these aliens that um, are one of the cheerleaders somehow, or so, like that's their cover that they're there for a cheerleading competition. Okay. And they can like <laughs> levitate instead of like doing a pyramid. They can just like levitate themselves up it's, <laughs> it's a thing man but she loves it so 
That's hey, fun. I remember my kids watching stuff like they watched Monster High when they were little and mm-hmm. stuff that just stuff that had monsters in it. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is just planting some seeds. We'll just we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll deal with this. <laughs> so I did watch uh, Avengers Endgame with my daughter, and she did not shed a tear at the end. And I think she might be a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> I sobbed through the end of that movie. Oh my yeah, god, I was like bawling. I still <laughs> bawl every time I see yeah. that movie. Yeah, I, I watched Endgame on opening night in yep. 3D in a packed theater, and I think the entire theater was sobbing, like all of us <laughs> together, just a bunch of nerds sobbing. Oh my god. Whenever I just want like a giggle, I'll just you can go on YouTube and find people that like brought cameras or their phones uh-huh. into Endgame and like recorded audience reactions at certain points and they make like compilations of it. <laughs> it's just it's you get the feels, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps up an episode. Ariel, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us where you can find tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so we're the Zombie Girls. That's spelled G-R-R-L-Z. You can find our podcasts anywhere you get podcasts. And on Twitter and Instagram, we're at CG Podcasts. And right now we're celebrating Women in Horror Month. So oh, yeah. if you follow us on uh, Instagram or Twitter, you would see um, we're posting every day different women horror creatives, uh, podcasters, artists, things like that. And we're doing extra episodes this month of More Deadly. So instead of doing two episodes a month, we're doing four, um, each with uh, women podcasting guests. Yeah, That's awesome. All right. Well, next week, we will be reviewing The Bribe. We appreciate everyone for listening. We'd really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review on iTunes or rating on Spotify. And check out our Patreon for bonus content. Also, check out our YouTube for videos of these podcasts. And with that, we thank you for listening to Dads from the Crypt. <laughs> Follow Dads from the Crypt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I will follow you to the grave. <laughs> no, seriously, you really should watch. But be careful what you ask for. You may get it. Ha 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 